Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. I led from the place of who I was in my identity. And that identity and personality that God had given me, I led from that place as opposed to the latest and greatest, um, you know, book I read on Henry Ford or something, you know, or on uh, some, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, whatever it is. And instead of being me for God, uh, my wife and I have this phrase, be yourself and walk with God. And and if I can be myself and walk with God, number one, I'm going to honor him. And two, I'm going to be able to lead. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Mike Kelsey. Mike, how's it going, man? It's going well, Chandler. Uh, We're excited today uh, because we have Pastor Greg Mott, who is the senior pastor of Houston's First Baptist Church uh, and the founder of, uh, you know, a pretty small ministry that you may or may not have heard of, uh, Breakaway Ministries at Texas A&M University. Uh, which sidebar is a whole nother conversation. I went to the University of Maryland College Park and uh, uh, yeah, we could just talk about college football stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, Breakaway is one of the largest uh, college Bible studies in the nation. And I know many of you have already heard about it, but uh, Pastor Greg is also the author of numerous books, including Unstoppable Gospel, Difference Makers, and a new devotional you'll get to hear about, Capture the Moment, which is coming out in December. So Pastor Greg, it's great to have you on. Thanks, man. I'm glad to be on. Chandler and Mike, it's good to be with you guys, and I look forward to our time together. Yes, sir. Well, we're excited to have you on. And just as Mike was saying, you know, college football, you you founded Breakaway Ministries at College A&M, uh, Texas A&M, and I know that you have some connections with the Baylor basketball coach, and you can root for them. Will you ever root for the Texas Longhorns, though? Is that doable for you? You know, my mom is a Longhorn, um, and so I have some familial uh, responsibilities to do that, but it's going to have to be in the right situation, you know, the <laughs> key right situation, which I'm not sure what that would be, but um, I wish them all the best because I've got some friends that are there, uh, you know, that, that love the Longhorns, but I'm not sure that I could... I don't know that root would be the right word. You know, uh, hope for no injuries and them to play well, maybe. Um, but you know, cheer for them. I'm not. I'm not sure. Just as any good Longhorn wouldn't cheer for an Aggie, you know. So I mean, it's it's two different uh, two different dynamics. Oh, I love it. That was a uh, great way to navigate that question to not you know upset too many people right there. So great job, great it job. One on one, you got to somehow cut in the middle. <laughs> that, that's yeah. the kind of diplomacy we've learned uh, in pastoral ministry over 2020 and 2021. Right there on display. <laughs> Man, oh, it's great. Answering people would be mad at you in these past couple of years. I mean, it's, <laughs> but. Well, just as Mike was talking about, you do have a new devotional coming out this December called Capture the Moment. Would love to just hear a little bit of the heart behind the devotional and, you know, somebody who were to grab that and pick it up, what might they experience in that devotional? Yeah, well, I'm so excited about it. You know, it's come out of my messages that then we've we've been able to reformat into to a book. So it goes into some deeper elements than you would just in a devotional guide of just kind of a thought for the day. So you can work through a scripture and you can really get some good truth and some, I hope it's discipleship. Uh, daily devotionals have changed my life and really any strong believer is going to spend time with the Lord each day. So I hope it's a tool for that, a Bible in your lap and then this devotional guide in your lap. And then something, Chandler, that's really cool 
cool about it is all of the author royalties um, are going to send relief to help feed people in times of need and disaster relief. So with every devotional guide, three people will receive a meal in a time of disaster relief. So I received zero money or zero author royalties. It came from our church. We used it as a devotional a couple years ago. Um, and it just, everybody loved it. Had somebody just yesterday tell me they've gone through it three years in a row now, which wow. I thought really great. Um, and so now it's going nationwide, which we're super excited about. And one of my hopes is that churches will do it church-wide. We have for 30 years in our church, we pick a different devotional every year and the whole church goes through it. So we're on the same page, we're unified and people that really don't, they don't, uh, they're not gonna do the Bible in a year you know, kind of thing mm -hmm. on ramp onto something like this, they get involved in it. And so my hope is church wide churches will pick this up, do it. And individuals of course, too. And we'll see literally tens of thousands of people receive a meal, a cup of cold water in Jesus name. And we'll also receive a good devotional guide that we can go through once a year. So super excited about it. I told my, my wife, I said, man, I can't believe it. I got a book with a ribbon. It's going to have like a ribbon. You move and change dates. I mean, I'm on my what's next? So, um, That's awesome. Anyway, I'm, I'm just teasing about that. But but it's just, I'm super excited about it. Really couldn't be more excited about it. And and just just where it's going. It's going to really bless people, and that's that's going to be a, a blessing. So capture the moment. We're all trying to do that in a hectic time of life. So let's capture the moment with Jesus and let him use us. Hmm. I, I, there's so much that you just shared right there. I mean, I love the fact that you're saying, hey, we want this book to, to impact churches, but we also want you know the proceeds to go back and help those who, who are in need. So that's great. But also getting everybody on the same page in your church and saying, hey, you know, we're all kind of thinking through the same script. We're reading the same things throughout the year kind of have the same language. So love, love that uh, tip right there for maybe for somebody can pick up, capture the moment and, and lead their church through that. Well, just as we were talking about, uh, you know, you have been in many different leadership roles over the years, of course, Breakaway and now Houston's first. And we would love to just hear kind of about your leadership story and where God's led you. So if you would just share with us a quick overview of the different leadership roles that you've been in over the years. Yeah, it all started. Uh, I was an intern youth minister for a few summers at a church up in Dallas. I learned so much about leadership there. Then I was a camp counselor uh, for a summer and I was the leader of the cabin um, of all the other counselors and some other roles. And then that's that's where it took off a little bit more. And then really breakaway, you know, breakaway started. I was a sophomore in college and we had about 12 people come over and I was a student who was ministering. But little did I know that God was going to make me a minister to students. Mm -hmm. I was going to graduate with a business degree, marketing, marketing degree. Um, and I was going to continue on in this ministry. And man, that's when leadership really started churning. We got staff, we got an office. I remember I thought we had arrived and we got a copier. I thought, man, <laughs> official. When you got a copier in the house, uh, you know, you're official, which, uh, was kind of fun, but Gen Z has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Gen Z is like a copier. What do you mean? It's where you press print 10 times. Right? Okay, just, just, just um, so yes, we got that, which is great. Um, and then 
then after that, that's where I really learned a lot of leadership. And then jumping into Houston's first 17 years ago, um, definitely learning, but learning even more and building upon that foundation. So that's the quick overview. And I think God does that. He stair steps you, you know, as you mentioned, my Gen Z, you know, a lot of times when I hear statistically, everybody wants to jump in as the CEO. And I just want to tell you as a longtime leader, no, you don't. You do not want to jump in as a CEO. You will die if you jump in as a CEO of, of a, you know, I mean, if it's a CEO of you and your cousin running, you know, some uh, startup, then maybe not, but like staff and buildings and such and budgets and man, it, you, you want God to stair step you, you know, mm-hmm. David was a shepherd in the fields before he was a shepherd of Israel. Um, and that's a key thing. So I've been really grateful that I can look back on intern, camp counselor, breakaway, pastor of Houston's first. You know, let's go back to, I love how you're sharing that, how you started out uh, as a student ministering to others, and then you were a minister, you were ministering to students and, you know, breakaway, you said sophomore year, right? You started meeting right. uh, as a group. Take us through the, I mean, I, I just can't even imagine, you know, you're praying saying, Hey Lord, you know, we want to bless this little Bible study that we're having. And you had no clue what was around the corner and what God was going to do. And of course, with it growing, as you mentioned, you don't want to start out as a CEO. You want to be stair-stepped, but man, you were, you were climbing some stairs really fast trying to figure it out. And, uh, sounds like the Lord blessed it. So take us through, you know, back when you were, you know, we're kind of seeing that ramp up. How were you, you know, of course you're trying to be led by the spirit, but also how are you ramping up your leadership and dealing with those issues that were coming up because as a college student, you're not normally thinking about getting an office and a copier. You're trying to think about graduating. Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, you know, I would say one thing I would throw out is for people to pray for leaders, whatever level to pray for leadership and wisdom every single day. I've done that for decades, leadership and wisdom. And what I mean by that is leadership, the Lord leading me, but also leadership for me leading others. So that's what I mean by leadership. And then wisdom, James tells us, you know, um, as uh, as we prayed even before we started, just that if you you have not, because you ask not on wisdom. And so I just prayed for those things. And then I would put people around me. I would ask questions of people that were older leaders. Because mm-hmm. um, my personality, which we'll get into a little bit later on a couple of the things um, to answer, man, I just really value peace. And that's a, that's a tough one for a leader. You know, um, it's, it's probably better for a leader to value number one progress and then not care who hates him along the way. Um, you know, but I, mm-hmm. I really value peace. I, I want to, um, have good relationships and that this, that's important. And so in that first levels of leadership, I was always like, ah, uh, how are they going to respond? What are they going to say? What are they going to do? Can I make this decision? Do I have the authority to make this decision? Should I make this decision? And what I found is that brought in me a building of a coalition, building a buy-in, which is very important in leadership as well, instead of just driving it. So I'd say in those, those, those early days, God, for some way, I don't even know that, I guess I did it intuitively. I don't know that I had a real plan for it. I led from the place of who I was in my identity. And that identity and personality that God had given me, I led from that place as opposed to the latest and greatest, um, you know, book I read on Henry Ford or something, you know, or on, <laughs> some, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, whatever it is. And instead of being me for God, um, my wife and I have this phrase, be yourself and walk with God. 
And, and if I can be myself and walk with God, number one, I'm going to honor him. And two, I'm going to be able to lead. So in those, those first journeys, that was really key to find out who I was in leadership and try to lead with wisdom and buy-in there. Now, flip side of that is you move from buddy to boss real quick. And that's a hard one because now everybody sees you as your pal. And then all of a sudden you're telling them what to do. And you've got to nuance that, but you've also got to be clear about that and say, man, I'm not trying to get in your business. I'm not trying to shove you around, but for me to fulfill my role, I want you to be able to fulfill your role. And this is what we need to get done. What do you think about that? And then ask some questions to get that buy-in so that they do that. Cause they're not going to respond to their roommate back in my day telling mm. them what to do. You know, I mean, it's yep. like, yep. I mean, you're not my boss. But <laughs> in the same time, I kind of, a little bit am, you know, mm-hmm. in this one little realm. So, um, so anyway, that, that's a couple of things, those beginning days, knowing who I was building buy-in and then being able to clearly define the role that I was trying to operate in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure we, we have some college students that are listening to this. And, and for those of you that are older than college age, I would encourage you to pass this episode along to college students because, it's just such a great example. You're not like you talked about stair stepping. You're not going to start out, you know, as the pastor of First Baptist Church, you know, in in Houston, um, and uh, author of several books. But you started where God had you, and it's a very similar story to me. I mean, I didn't start the largest college Bible study ever, <laughs> but uh, it was my sophomore year at University of Maryland, and God just completely wrecked my life in the best way possible, and. I just got thrown immediately into ministry and leadership. And so for those of you listening that are college students, you don't have to wait in order for God to use you, especially as a college student, or even if you're college age and not in college right now, God has a purpose and a plan for you to minister to the people who are around you. And uh, I mean, that's just so incredibly just inspiring and encouraging. Um, So in the midst of all of that, uh, what was a pivotal moment that you look back on that you would say changed your leadership and, and life, whether it was during that early season or just over the course of your leadership uh, that you think changed you? I'll tell you one from that that'll connect with what we're, we're saying is I graduated college. I graduated in December, my fifth year. So it was four and a half years, um, graduated and I had this choice. Am I going to stay and do breakaway or am I going to go to seminary? That was kind of my two choices. I chose to stay and do breakaway, which was a really big decision. You know, we didn't have any money. We didn't have, I mean, it was just nothing. It was, it was just this Bible study that was, now we were running probably 500 at the time. So, I mean, you know, God was doing something great. Um, and I, I decided to stay and that was a pivotal moment of faith of just saying, okay, I'm taking the step out. I substitute taught uh, each day. Um, and then that's how I would make money. So a whopping $45 a day. Uh, and then I would do ministry at night. And thankfully my parents would pay my insurance and, you know, they didn't cut me off too far. Um, so that was a blessing. My first W two, when I was officially on, on the job with breakaway was $7,000 for the year. Okay. So that was my first W two. So anybody's like, Oh man, I want to do that. I don't think. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so that pivotal moment though of staying really like was a faith moment. It was my kind of Peter stepping out of the boat moment. Um, Moses stepping into the Red Sea moment. 
And man, I'm so glad I stayed. And then one other little thing, and I throw this in for, for particularly younger leaders that you mentioned. Um, I remember standing in what's called the Memorial Student Center. It's a key place on the campus of Texas A&M. And all these students who now I'm staying to give my life to these students, this one student goes, hey, Greg, I thought you graduated. And I said, well, I didn't. I'm staying on and doing breakaway. And with a big smile, I'm a smiley guy. He said, oh, that little Bible study you're doing, I bet you couldn't get a real job. And everybody started laughing. laughing. All of these students that I'm I'm here to minister to, I'm giving my life to, begin to laugh. And I said something kind of like, yeah, yeah, I just decided another football season or, you know, I just kind of come up with something kind of cutesy. I went into this area called the flag room. They have all these flags in this area. And I sat down and I just put my head in my hands and I was like, Lord, did you really call me to do this? I mean, Mm. is this really what you want? Because the cool of standing on the stage is not in this moment right now. And it really was a moment where I went, not my will, but yours be done, Lord pleasing men, pleasing God, all those kind of verses. And I said, I'm going to stick with it. And so, you know, and, and I don't even remember who that guy was, you know, um, now, but God used that in my life to really, to, to anchor me leadership's hard to anchor me to stick through it. Well, that actually, that was my follow-up question for you was when you were trying to just, because the most, when God has been using you, people are affirming your gifts and teaching especially in church world, the most logical next step is to go to seminary. So how did you discern, no, God wants me to stay? Because that seems a bit counterintuitive or at least countercultural in church world. For leaders that are trying to figure out, you know, is God calling me to do this or that? How did you discern that? Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, a couple couple things. One, I realized I was going to go to seminary to try to get what I was already doing. Right. Hmm. I was already doing it. This is, this is what I wanted to do. There's a deep yeah. want to, you know, calling is number one, uh, not really in this order, but let me, let me put it like this. It's, do I want to, um, do people respond when I do it? And does God want me to, those are kind of the three legged stool of calling. Do I want to, is there a passion in my heart for it? Do people respond when I do it positively fruit of the spirit. And then third, does God want me to do it? And I sense all three of those things. And then also an older leader, he told me this, which was so great. He said, go for it. Give it a semester. See what happens. You're not married. You don't have kids. You can live off beans. Go for it. See what happens. <laughs> you know? And I was like, well, he's right. Cool. What do I got to lose? So I jumped back in that spring semester. Well, God took that 500 to be about 800 and took that 800 to be a thousand. And then we were on a rocket, you know, and I look back on that moment. If I would have chosen the path of comfort, you know, and I actually have a journal entry um, that I've got. It's framed in my my in my home. Uh, that is a journal entry of me writing a note of faith, basically in a prayer journal at like one thirty two in the morning or something. And it's just framed in my house. Um, is a moment. It was kind of that Fisher cut bait moment. Um, and and that's that's kind of how I discerned it. But it's you know it's mm-hmm. plodding. It's walking it out. You take a step a day and let it be. It's not just a blinding light like like. Paul all the time. It's a, it's a walk in the right direction. I think those questions are very helpful. And I think hopefully somebody listening could even process it that way as well. Hey, what's my calling? So do, do I want to do others respond when you do it? And then does God want you to do it as well? So thanks for sharing that. And, you know, as 
as you were sharing that, I'm thinking, okay, you founded Breakaway. You've chosen to stay. You see God bless it. Why did you leave? You know, it, it seems like, man, I, I, this is something that I've given my heart to. Um, and it's kind of hard to leave what you've seen God bless and the, he, yeah. you, he has called you to. And you see your fingerprints on it and all of that. What did that process look like? Yeah, that was that was something because um, it's your baby. You know, when you start a ministry, it's kind of like raising a child. But, you know, at some point your kids got to go to school, you know, or go to college. Mm. Or, you know, I know people homeschool, but, you know, you get it. You got to got to let them out. And so um, uh, in that I, I was driving a certain place on the road from my house to the office and two times, two different times. I thought I could do something else. And that was, that was the phrase. It was the weirdest phrase. Wasn't I want to do something else? It was, I could do something else. And then I got a call from Houston's First Baptist around that same time and things started falling into place. So I think about it like this. David was faithful tending the sheep of Jesse and, and Samuel knew where to, God knew where to find him and he sent Samuel. So I'm just gonna be faithful where I am and then God's gonna send when it's time for me to be able to do that. Um, so, you know, there's a place for putting your resume out. I get it, all sorts of stuff like that. But you also want a God story of God just finding you. So I, I, I just felt like I could do something else. And the best way to put it was a release. Um, it wasn't a negative. It was a positive. It was a release. And I felt like I could do something else. And sure enough, I came to the church here at Houston's First. Ben Stewart then came um, to be at Breakaway. I've known Ben since he was in college. We're good buddies. And man, Ben took it to places I could have never dreamed, which gave me such pride to be a part of it. And then now Timothy Atik's doing a super job. And so just watching it grow um, to be to be in that realm. So it was just a release would be the best thing that I could, could give you on that. Yeah, that's great. Well, hey, before we get to the next question, let's take a moment and hear from our sponsor. Let's face it, you didn't become a pastor to be an accountant, and you didn't attend seminary to learn about software. Still, managing money is crucial for any thriving organization, which means if you're doing anything wrong, then you're risking the financial health and viability of your church. Thankfully, our friends at Belay know this well. Belay, an innovative staffing solution with over 10 years of experience serving churches, has successfully matched thousands of organizations with experienced U.S.-based virtual bookkeepers, virtual assistants, and social media strategists. And they are offering all of our podcast listeners a free download of their resource, Five Ways a Church Bookkeeper Can Transform Your Day, which shares the five most positive changes that will come out of hiring a bookkeeper for your church. So just text LIFEWAY to 55123. That's L-I-F-E-W-A-Y to 55123 for your free download. And if you do so, you will be one step closer to reclaiming precious time every week to do what only you can do. Now, back to the podcast. Well, Greg, as you were a young leader, I know you probably made no mistakes along the way and you did everything perfectly, but if there was maybe one or two, what would you say is the biggest mistake as a leader getting started? Uh, I would say, I kind of alluded to it at the beginning, my high value of peace negated my need to be clear. So peace negated clarity. What does a leader need? A leader needs clarity, right? Unless the trumpet sounds, you don't know where the battle is. 
So I had to navigate that. So what would happen is my desire for peace that brought a lack of clarity would bring kind of a stealth leadership. So instead of saying, Hey, um, I think we ought to have, you know, pizza at the next, uh, you know, college get together. I'd say, Hey, what do y'all think about that new pizza place? (laughs) 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 Terrible leadership. I mean, what leadership is that? And then everybody would jump around and then I'd go, yeah, let, let's do that. And then we make pizza or if somebody went, well, I don't like it. I think it stinks. I go, oh, okay. And then we'd end up with, you know, I mean, it's a crazy illustration, but, but my, my, my desire for peace brought a lack of clarity and I had to learn how to be clear. Okay. But now here's the deal. How could I be clear without crossing who God created me? Okay. So can I be clear and be kind and give good leadership. Most of the time you can't, not all the time you can, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to fire somebody. Sometimes you got to say, no, we're not doing that. But I can still do it in a way that can still have a kindness that I don't have to go home at night going, ah, because I just, you know, I just, I want to make a good, clear decision, but I'd like to do it and keep the body of Christ unified, right? And to be able to appreciate other perspectives. So that was the biggest mistake. I think when I started out is I just wouldn't be clear enough. And again, some of that was buddy to boss. You know, now I'm, I'm like, you know, the employer of my roommates, you know, or, uh, you know, it's just, it can get really sticky and messy. And if you come with too heavy of a hand, we've seen, you know, the negatives on that, then, then that's a problem. If you come with too, too low of a hand, uh, then nobody knows what to do, you know? So that's a problem too. Hmm. Yeah. Which I'm sure is an even yeah, bigger problem when you're, you're leading your friends or peers, uh, that temptation toward peace over clarity is huge. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you've, you've authored several books, um, but in your own kind of formation and development, uh, what, what book do you wish somebody had given you when you were first starting to lead? So you're just getting started. Is there a book you know about now that you wish you had access to or somebody had given you then? Yeah, I would say, um, Oswald Sanders, spiritual leadership. Um, is classic. And I wish somebody would have given me that because um, it's concise and it's really good. It's a classic, meaning it's not just today's perspectives, which have tremendous value, but there's also some just standard solid parts of leadership. So I think, um, I think that would be the book that I would say uh, would be the, the right one. Cool. Well, let's move to the quick hitter questions here. And these are going to be short one minute answers. And we'll get started with this one, Greg. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office, all that good stuff? Okay, I'll give it to you in big pieces first. Uh, Give your mornings to God, your afternoons to the church, and your evenings to your family. Okay, Uh, mornings to God, afternoons, church, your ministry, whatever you're doing, um, and evenings to your family. Now, when I talk about mornings to God, that's my preparation time. So it's not like I'm just walking around my neighborhood prayer walking all day long, you know, or calling a nap for God to speak to me in a dream. And sleep <laughs> until then. So it's, it's my mornings to God and then my afternoons to church. So I have meetings. So I never have an appointment uh, unless it really has to before 1130 lunch. So I'm 1130 lunch. I'm at the office by eight. 
uh, up about six, have my quiet time in the morning, um, and then lunch at 1130, a couple appointments in the afternoon. And then I try to get home um, to be with my family. Um, when I had young kids, I got a college student now and an eighth grader. But when I had young kids, I found that if I would give from about five to eight to my family, I could go from eight to 10 on email or whatever I needed to do if I needed to catch up on something. Mm-hmm. But trying to give that real time. Um, and man, my kids, it's been a blessing. I've coached every little league team. I've been a part of all sorts of stuff. Uh, and, and just do not sell your family on the altar of ministry. Um, mm. and let it be something that God uses in your life with your family as well. Man, that's good. Um, what, uh, what's your favorite personality test? Um, I like the disc, um, is, is a good one. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of ones. I'm an ID. So, um, I'd rather hang out and chat with you than, you know, uh, uh, than anything and minister in that way. So that gets back to a little bit of that peace side, right? Mm-hmm. I, D. So can I make the hard decision? Can I get it done? Yes, I can. But am I going to want to do it through a smooth relationship way? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. So, um, and again, that's knowing how God's wired you. I, I'm still going to make the hard call. Uh, unfortunately, I'm sure I got hard calls ahead of me and I've got a plenty of them behind me, but, um, the, uh, but I'm going to do it hopefully in a way that's more art than science. And it's going to be a blessing in relationships as well. Mm. Now, do you, do you have like your staff and other leaders? Do you guys use the disc uh, among your staff and team as well? We do. We do a thing called place profile um, mm. and it does personalities and experiences and all different things. And everybody on our staff has done that. Um, and then we're actually, we're going to do a little something different and uh, just a new thing that we're going to do. Um, this year too, uh, that's going to take another 360 kind of review type deal too, but but we've done place a lot. That's awesome. What's an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? Um, you know, and this can be sound weird. This is the one that most leaders are surprised with. Um, I take a day every month called time with the father and I spend the day working on the ministry, not in the ministry. So like this Thursday is my time with the father. It happens once a month. I get away and I work on the ministry, not in the ministry. Hopefully my message will be done by then. And I can really look at more of a 30,000 foot view. Um, So that's really important. I take a sabbatical each year, uh, which is really important as well. And that time of rest and refreshment, um, unfortunately, appears to be an unusual habit for leaders. (laughs) Hmm. It shouldn't be. But man, I feel the fight in it. I understand it's hard. Um, and so that, that time away of, um, you know, each, each Friday I have a date with my wife. It's my, when my day off is Friday and Saturday. Each month I have a time with the father. Each year I have a sabbatical. So I've got a weekly, a monthly, and a yearly to be able to rest. And I think that's kept me in the game for 30 years now. Now, when you're doing that time, you said you're working on the ministry. Are you thinking like big vision uh, where you're planning out the next you know, months or what exactly does that look like? Because I think somebody can hear that and go, am I just going to keep working rather than refreshing myself you know, with, with yeah. the Lord? It's not moving your office to someplace else. Right? Mm-hmm. I know I try to stay away from email. I try to stay from the, the weekly message. I try to look at the next series that's coming up. Maybe like, I don't know what I'm going to do in the, in the spring. What, so this week I'm going to pray about, well, what am I going to do after the new year? 
um, and, and those sort of things. So that's the sort of thing. Um, staff things, where, where do we need to be hiring? Where do we need to be tweaking? Um, those sort of things. We're in a time of resource initiative right now. We're raising money for some stuff. I want to pray through that. So some time of prayer. Sometimes I fast, sometimes I feast, you know, I'll go to a restaurant by myself and, you know, knock it out and have a, have a good lunch. And sometimes I'll just spend that time in prayer and fasting. So, uh, it's a little bit of whatever I need at the moment. Sometimes if you get out there as a burden as a leader, if something's not going right, you're just pleading with God, you know? Mm-hmm. So I try to go someplace outside of the city of Houston. Um, you know, we've, we've got a couple of church members that have some incredible backyards so I can go there or I'll go to a library or just someplace that's refreshing. But, but leaders got to don't always make everything grand that you think a book's going to be written about it. You know, just take a little reading out there with you and refresh and take a nap. If you need to pray, spend some good time in prayer on your knees, look over where you're going for the next couple months. It doesn't have to be every time you get away. It's Moses on the top of Mount Sinai, <laughs> the 10 commandments. It's a, it's a principle and a practice. Um, through years of ministry and leadership. Mm. People do it like once. And if, if bottle rockets and Roman candles don't go off, like, ah, I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm. No, this is, this has, this has keeps you married for 30, 24 years. I've been married now, 30 years of ministry. I've been doing this. This is long, this marathon running, what you're talking about. Mm. That time with the father, uh, when you get away, is it overnight or is it just drive somewhere, spend the day and come back? Usually it's just for the day. Okay. Um, at times it will be overnight. Um, so uh, overnight's better, um, but but usually it's it's uh, I just head out from my house and we have a retreat center for our church about thirty minutes away. So I'll go out there, mm. sit and and come back at three or four o'clock. It's amazing. You spend about five hours by yourself and you've had plenty. Mm. You know, <laughs> you're sneaking yourself after five hours you know i wish i was a monk and you know, well, i prayed fast for 40 days and i'm like i gotta get out of here sick of this guy i prayed everything i can pray I mean, my goodness. So, uh, what's your favorite app on your phone uh, you know, unfortunately, the most used app is Microsoft Outlook. You know, <laughs> unfortunate. Uh, my favorite is probably Yelp because mm-hmm. I'm going out to eat with my wife or my kids somewhere. So, yep. Uh, okay. Right, sorry. Controversial question. Uh, I don't know if you want to be recorded saying this. If I, if I come to Houston, what is the one restaurant I got to go to? Okay, I, I can tell you uh, flat out. It's a place called Taste of Texas. Taste mm. of Texas. And it's, it's big old steaks. I know the owners and they're believers, great mm. people. And they've got artifacts of Texas all around the wall, like literally documents signed by Sam Houston or Santa Ana, mm. all these very, very amazing historical documents. Top-notch food uh, and great people. So Taste of Texas. The big debate, Mike, in Houston is fajitas. Who has the best fajitas? Really? I'm going to step into the controversy. Okay, ready? I'm going to say Lupe Tortillas. And people that are listening, they're from Houston. They're already wow. mad. Because they're going to say, <laughs> I can feel letters. it. They're going to say, El Tiempo. You know, me. This, is not, this is not creating peace. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> as, a, as a young leader, I would have said, well, what's your favorite 
as a season leader, I say Lupe Tortillas. <laughs> you, you heard about that new uh, fajita place over there? <laughs> <laughs> well, for the record, on Yelp, Taste of Texas, 2,003 reviews, wow. four and a half stars. That's so strong. that's strong. It's strong. Yeah. They got well, you, music playing in there too when you go in. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. That's great. I'm so glad you said Yelp. I've started to... Like we'll get to a restaurant. It looks like we're on our phones because we try to not have our phones while we're eating, but I'll like pull it out and I just want to see what the food looks like, you know, and it's great. So Yelp, I'm right there with you. It's great. Well, what's been the best book that you've read in the past six months? Okay. Um, Seven Money Types by Tommy Brown. And I'm not familiar with Tommy. I've never met him. I never didn't know of him until this book. I saw it on a bookshelf and I bought it and I really enjoyed it. And it goes through seven biblical money types, Abraham, Isaac, um, Jacob, David, uh, gosh, Joseph. I can't remember all of them right now. And it talks about how they, their personalities would handle money. And, and I read it and got a lot out of it. So it's like a personality test for how you see and spend money. Um, and I thought it would be a good book. As I said, we're in a resource initiative right now, um, and to be able to read and understand. So, uh, so that's, that was my favorite one, kind of a little bit of a different one. Hmm. Seven money types. That's right. We'll check it out. Uh, all right. Well, this can be a hard question, but what one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the first time? Realize you are continually learning and therefore show yourself grace. Mm. Realize that you're continually learning, continually learning, and therefore show yourself grace. There's so much pressure on leaders and particularly young leaders to start with final copy. And you just can't. It's a work in progress. It's art more than it is science. Your first message is not going to be as good as your 50th message in, in preaching realms. Your first meeting is not going to be as good as your 50th meeting. It's kind of that law of 10,000 hours type stuff. And always be learning. I'm learning stuff all the time, still today, all the time. I'm like, gosh, I should have done that. So my wife and I have this phrase, uh, small mistake, big lesson. Small mistake, big lesson. And every once in a while we'll go, that was a medium mistake. <laughs> big lesson. <laughs> you never want to be a big mistake, big lesson, right? <laughs> Learn from small mistake, big lesson. And so, and just show yourself grace. And nobody's, nobody's expecting you to be perfect. Um, and don't put it on yourself to be perfect. No one is harder on me than me in leadership. No one's harder than, on me than me. And uh, I'll go home after preaching and I'll think of that one sentence that I, that was stupid. Why did I say it like that? Everybody else is like, man, thank you for sharing the word with me. And so, you know, let, let's have grace on ourselves as well. Learn to laugh at ourselves, learn to enjoy our inconsistencies. And you know what? Give time, give, give, give opportunity for God to move. You know, if you're perfect, then who needs Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I I need him. I need him badly. I'm not going to mess up on purpose. I'm going to try to learn the best I can. But um, you're always learning. So show yourself grace. Man, that's incredibly freeing. Thank you for sharing that. And Greg, thanks so much for just joining us on the podcast today and sharing about your leadership journey. And thank you for listening. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. If it has, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review to help other leaders like yourself find the podcast. And we'll see you next week.